The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ryan, for reading that scripture for us. Uh, So, hello, if we haven't met, my name is Russ Ramsey. I'm the pastor here at Christ Presbyterian Church, Cool Springs. And this morning is a little bit of an unusual service in that we're going to take some time during the sermon portion to talk about uh, the new facility that we're going to be moving into this fall uh, sometime. The date is to be determined because we're kind of at the mercy of of um, the city of Franklin and, and making sure... What, was that me? Okay. Are we good? <laughs> he gave me one of those. Um, so we're going to be working our way through that, but I'm, I want to unpack this. So we'll spend about half of our time talking through this commandment, uh, and then I'm going to just present... Uh, the space and give you some uh, some ways that we can all engage in this process together. So the second commandment is about having graven images. And I think about this command. This is one, there's some of these commandments where the application is just a one-to-one uh, from ancient times to now. Don't murder, right? Okay. It's this, it means the same thing to us now as it meant then. Don't kill, don't steal, uh, don't commit adultery. These, these are things that we say, okay, that's a very concrete thing. This is one that it would be tempting to kind of put into a category of antiquity and say, well, we don't really do graven images. Oh, contraire. We live in a world of graven images. We live in a world of things that we look to and look at uh, to worship, to give us some kind of meaning and association in, in, in life. And so this applies to us very, very much. And so I want to talk about um, kind of two of the basic ideas that people would have understood initially when this command was given and why it was and how they really relate to us uh, even today. So if I ask you to show me a picture of Frodo Baggins, most of you would show me a picture of Elijah Wood, right? If I said, show me a picture of Tony Stark, There might be some old school graphic novel comic book diehards who would be like, first edition, first time he was ever drawn. But most of you would say, it's Robert Downey Jr. Everybody knows that. Harry Potter, you'd show me Daniel Radcliffe. Right, if, if a book that you love is made into a movie, count the cost before you go sue it. Because here's what's gonna happen. The world that wants was illustrated just by your imagination, will become New Zealand. There's nothing wrong with New Zealand. 
New Zealand's beautiful, but that's what'll happen, right? And the voice that you heard in your head when Gollum spoke would become the brilliant and memorable, but very distinctive voice of Andy Serkis. We like this, though. We like to turn the ethereal into the concrete. We like to do, as George Bailey said, and it's a wonderful life, we like to throw a lasso around the moon and pull it down. In the days of Exodus, graven images were the way worship happened. To worship was to have an object, a physical object to worship. In fact, graven images were so common in that era that the Old Testament historian Peter Craigie described this command, have no graven images, he described it this way. He said, it is perhaps the unlikeliest thing that has ever happened. That's how strong he puts it. Because graven images were an industry back then. And so this command is saying, you're not going to worship that way. You're not going to worship that way. This command tells us not to make objects to worship. And in particular, don't make a physical representation of God himself to worship. And there are a couple of reasons for this. There are many reasons, but I'm going to note two. The first is that any image that could be made of God would fall incredibly short of reflecting his true glory and would then, in fact, hinder people in their worship of him. It would, it would reduce his image to something less than it actually is. And so the images then would take over the imagination, like Elijah Wood takes over Frodo, like, like Robert Downey Jr. takes over, over Iron Man. The images would limit the imagination when the worshiper thinks about God in prayer. We would say, oh, it's this. He's this. He's a golden calf. Even the Sistine Chapel, the Sistine Chapel, which depicts God in the creation of Adam, that scene which you've seen where the two fingers are touching, even there, as majestic as that ceiling may be, the image of God as a muscular 60-something, it doesn't come anywhere close, right, to the God who parted the Red Sea or to the God who raised Christ from the dead. Another reason for this prohibition was because during that time, graven images were used by the powerful to control the powerless. And so the powerful would create images, objects, idols for their subjects to worship, and then they would say worship. You, you, you see this in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that? Nebuchadnezzar builds a statue. He builds a, an idol, which is really of himself. And he tells them, bow down to that. He's not really wanting them to worship that. He's wanting them to worship him. But this was something that people would do in those days as they would make an idol so that they could control the people under them and cause them to worship it. And what God is saying to his people is your worship can't be that way. Jesus said it this way. He said the time is coming when we won't worship on any mountain but we'll worship in spirit and in truth. So God gives this rule against graven images to combat using a graven image for the powerful to control the powerless. Uh, Tim Chester, a commentator, said this. He said, an imageless God 
cannot be co-opted for power. In other words, you can't drag somebody to that God's feet and force them to bow to you. So what does this command tell us? It tells us, one, that God cares about our imaginations. He cares about what we fill them with. He cares about what we think on, about the associations that we make in our minds with what is and what is not. And it also tells us that he cares very much about our use of power, particularly in this command when it comes to the way we use power in relationship to religion, in relationship to worship. And so he forbids us from turning him into a manipulative, something that would fall way too short of capturing his glory, but something that could also then be wielded for power. And instead what he does is he says, you worship me in your mind and in your heart. He relegates true worship to a matter of the heart and conscience before him. And what that means is then much of our relating to him and communing with him will happen in the confines of our own hearts, which will then be virtually unobservable, really, by others. I mean, they can see us show up for worship. They can see us put our bodies in postures of worship, raising our hands, kneeling on our knees. But really what's happening in worship, the heart of it, is something that I can't look at you and know that this is happening inside of you because there's no graven image you're worshiping. There's nothing you're bowing down to. It's a matter of the heart and the conscience and the mind. It's how Jesus summarized the law. Right? This is what the law is all about, that you love God with what? With your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and that you love your neighbor in that same way. In other words, in this command, God is saying there's, there's to be no separation between you and him when it comes to worship. There is to be no third party. And this is what God calls us to. It's an intimate kind of worship. Why does this matter to him? Well, he tells us in the passage, he says, because he's a jealous God. What does that mean? We use that word in a very particular way in our culture. It usually has a negative connotation, right? But this word is not being used here in the petty sense of the word. It's being used in the exclusive sense of the word. In other words, God is saying, I am utterly unique. And I alone am worthy of worship. It's in the same sense that one spouse would say to another, you love me alone, love me exclusively in a way that you don't love anybody else. It's that kind of exclusive, jealous love. And in the process of saying this, what does God tell his people? He says that he has an exclusive affection for his people too. He professes his own loyalty to us. And he says it in this way, he says his judgment is going to fall on everyone who rejects him as the object of their worship. And we should take that at face value. He's not trying to say something else. He's trying to say that. But he follows it by saying, but for all who do worship him, he will love them with an undying, eternal, steadfast love that will never fail. And so he's obligating himself to his people even as he's commanding his people to obligate themselves to him. So what's at the heart of this command? What's at the heart of this command is the call to worship. 
It's the call to worship God in a way that's different from the way the rest of the world worships. By trying to fashion idols that we can manipulate and to create gods that we can coerce in order to serving our desires and in order to get other people to serve us. And you see, the ultimate aim of that approach isn't really worship anymore, is it? It's instead, it's just trying to have control, trying to have some power, trying to be able to manage things, even God himself. It's even a little bit of an attempt to become God. In this command, we talked about how um, last week, how for every one of these commands, every, for every thou shalt not, there's an implied you shall, right? And so here God says, don't worship graven images. Don't make them and don't worship them. What's the positive of that? He's saying worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him in spirit and in truth. He's not just concerned that we don't worship false gods. He's concerned that we do worship him. Well, what do we have to gain from that? I want to read you a quote as a way of wrapping up this part of the, our time together from Robert Rayburn, who's a retired pastor from Tacoma, Washington. And he said this, kind of responding to the question of, of what do we get out of worshiping God in spirit and in truth? Here's what he says. This is a little bit of a longer quote, so, so just uh, track with me here. He says, do you know what more than anything else cripples my Christian life? And do you know what is very likely to most cripple your Christian life? I will tell you. It is your far too small, far too familiar, far too inadequate conception of God. He does not dominate my thoughts as he should. He doesn't define my life as he ought to define it. I do not see everything and think about everything and judge everything in terms of his majesty as I ought to. He doesn't thrill me or humble me or cause me to fear him as he ought. If for just a few moments you could behold the glory of God, if but once you heard his voice as it was heard by a few long ago, if but once you could look into heaven and see it bathed in the light of God's presence and feel that warmth in your soul, if you but for a few moments felt in your heart the terrible but wonderful power of the divine holiness, if you could grasp the ineffable, transcendent, incomprehensible life of the triune God, if you could just that much see God, still so far beyond your comprehension as he would remain, you would realize with an irresistible intuition that everything, including you, is from him and to him and for him and that the fulfillment of your life, the satisfaction of all your longings, the perfection of all your ways must lie and could only lie with him. That's what God's calling us to. He's calling us to worship him in such a way that he is to us our end all and our be all. And so we worship. We worship to draw near to him. And so my hope and my prayer for us is that God would use this church, Christ Pres Cool Springs, to show himself to this community that we're a part of 
and to show himself as he truly is, that we would reflect his majesty and his beauty and his grace and his holiness, not by the things that we build, but by the community that we become of people who are amazed and who are compelled by the love and the grace of God to give our lives away in devotion to him, coupled with a hunger to love and serve our neighbors. That's my prayer for us. And so with that before us, I'm going to transition into talking about our new home, which we're going to be moving into sometime this fall, Lord willing. And I have some slides that we're going to show. Ark, we'll put that first one up. This is a little, this is a floor plan of where we're going to be. Christ Presbyterian Church, Cool Springs, established 2018. 325 Seaboard Lane, Suite 100. Um, this is across the street from Aspen Grove Park, where we have had church picnics before. It's walking distance from Burger Up uh, and the movie theater over there in that part of town. It's right on the corner of Aspen Grove Drive and Seaboard Lane. Uh, it's walking distance from Mandy Raff's condo. So we did that for her. Uh, this next slide, I want to show you some features about this. So uh, we'll have a 325-seat sanctuary. So that'll be the capacity. So right now in this room, we have about 250 chairs set up. We have a lot of uh, spacing between seats. But if we really kind of put them in at the capacity that the city allows in that space, we'll be able to have 325 chairs, uh, which will give us a lot of room to grow uh, with one service, but it'll also make it so that when we move to two services, the sky's the limit. We'll be able to have plenty of room to grow. We will have six classrooms uh, that will be available for things like Sunday school, for small groups, for things like that, but also during our um, worship services, we will have a thriving kids' ministry uh, that will have plenty of room to meet, and it'll all be right there in, in beautiful, clean, safe spaces. We'll also have church office space there for the office staff, uh, for myself and the rest of our team. Uh, so we'll be able to be based out of the Cool Springs area. Uh, this, another feature that came with this facility is it has separate restrooms. It has two sets of men's and women's rooms, which means on Sunday mornings we'll be, have, we'll be able to have a dedicated set of restrooms for the children's ministry. So there will be kids, a kids-only bathroom uh, during our worship services, which will add another layer of safety uh, for everybody. Uh, it's right in the heart of Cool Springs, and we're going to have 24-7 access to this space. So it's going to be ours all the time. And so we're going to be able to use this for connect groups, for concerts, for Sunday school, for parties, for potlucks, for men's and women's events, for weddings, for all kinds of things. And it's going to be a beautiful space on the inside. Another thing that we're doing when it comes to the design and the decoration is we're actually going to decorate the inside of it a little bit like an art museum. Uh, so when you walk in, it's not going to be a lot of uh, live, laugh, love from Hobby Lobby. It's, it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be Rembrandt and Caravaggio and Monet and Van Gogh. And, and, uh, and so it's going to be um, unlike anything that I know of in the Cool Springs area and, and um, an intriguing place, I think, to be. And so I'm excited about. Um, but I want to, the next slide, I want to talk about the financial aspect of this because this is important. It's important because I want you to understand 
why we, we felt the confidence to make this step, but also what it's going to require then of us all as a congregation. So I want to start with these uh, giving trends because I want to give you a picture of the history of, of what it's been like for us as a church since we launched in 2018. The first thing I want to mention is that our facility rental budget line right now for, for the year 2020 to 2021, so our fiscal year goes July to June. So the last fiscal year just ended and our facility rental line was $91,000. Here's what that $91,000 gets us. Five hours a week here. Uh, we get in, we set up, we have our worship service, we tear down, and then a week later we come back and we do it all again. 325 Seaboard Lane is 24-7. It's going to be ours, it's going to be set up, it's going to be ready. Um, we, uh, the first four months have been, uh, are kind of baked into the, to, to the agreement, and so we're not paying for those, and that affects what the rental cost is going to be. But for, so for this year, this fiscal year, 2021 to 22, the rental cost is going to go from $91,000 to 192596 So that's what the increase is going to be, just about $100,000 in an increase in our budget. Then after that, um, and that, the reason that's at the rate that it is is because several of the months uh, we're not paying for the space. And then in the following years, 22 to 23, it jumps to 254, and then it increases by uh, 3%. Is there something, is there, is there like a, ra uh, am I getting a radio interference? It's weird. Okay. What, what is that? That's weird. Oh, that must be in the hotel. That's coming through the, the house. <sighs> what are we going to do, guys? You know what we should do? You know what we should just hear me out? We should get our own space. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... When we get to 2022 and 23, it goes up by 3% every year. Those will be paying 12 months. Uh, and so it goes to 254, then 259, 265, 270. And so we'll be in this space. The lease runs through um, uh, almost the end of 2026. Uh, and so what that means, one of the things that this means, is when it comes to our general tithes and offerings as a church, we need that to increase. Um, we need it to increase specifically just for the facility part by about $100,000 the first year and by about $100,000 the year after that for the facility thing. Now, I'm going to give a picture for that in a second. But I want to frame that in the, in the, in the, in the, in the context of, of who we are as a church, as a part of a multi-site uh, situation. So we're going to need to grow by that much just to cover facility things. And we're going to need to grow by more than that when, when we start wanting to add more staff and, and, and expand our budget even more. And so there is a measured risk that we're taking. But I'm confident. Um, and the reason I'm confident is let me paint a picture for you. In, in 2018, when we launched, Cool Springs met here uh, in this ballroom in a place that was subject to availability. What's, what's happening, Corey? It is? So is... Again, I have an idea. 
<laughs> okay, you guys are doing great. You're doing great. Let me paint the picture. We started meeting here. We've been meeting in this hotel since we started. We've been meeting in a place that has been subject to availability, has had other, has had other conferences going on. We've been here. We've had it for five hours a week. We've set up. We've worshipped. We've torn down for three years almost. And in that context, Cool Springs has exceeded our budget goals every year, and every year we've grown. In fact, this past year, we grew by about 20% during a pandemic in a hotel with limited kids programming in a church full of kids, right? Let that sink in. We grew in that context. If the Lord was pleased to do that during a year with so many obstacles to entry, why should we think that he would have anything less for us moving forward in a home that we have 24 access to? But I also want to show you some financial trends. Let's go to the next slide here. Uh, because this represents what giving has been like at Cool Springs. So our first year, 2018 to 2019, our total giving was $291,000, which was right at what we were wanting to, to be at um, if Christ Prez hadn't given us seed money to start. And so we, we kind of hit our goal. The next year, 2019 to 20, our giving went up to $460,800. That's a $169,000 increase year over year. So remember, I just said, hey, we're going to have to grow by about $100,000 next year. We've done this before. Uh, and then, going from 2020 to 2021, our giving went from 46800 to 522400 which is a $61,000, $580 increase. And that, my friends, happened during COVID. So, we have a history of seeing our giving increase year over year. We have a history of staying at or under our budget. So this move is going to stretch us financially on the front end, but if we as a congregation keep doing what we've been doing, if we cultivate a culture of invitation, and if we demonstrate generosity in our giving and our tithes and our offerings, our regular giving, we should have no trouble growing into this added expense in a reasonable time frame. So now I want to talk about the build-out, because this is a separate category. This is the costs that are incurred in just getting the space ready and being able to move into it. <clears throat> We're going to incur some one-time costs to get this place built out and furnished. And here's, let me just tell you what I would love. I would love for Cool Springs to come together to, to accomplish as much of this, if not all of this, that we can. And so I want to walk you through it, and we'll see what the Lord does. So here are the build-out costs. So when you sign a lease, the building owner will give you typically what's called a TI, a Tenant Improvement Allowance. And that's money that they will put toward your build-out of the place. And so our landlord is giving us $150,000 of Tenant Improvement Allowance. The construction is around $400,000 to renovate this space. Um, that means that we're going to pay about 250, because 150 of that will come from 
uh, the TI, the rest of it will be on us. And then there's about another 100,000 of furnishing. That's the stage, the chairs, the office furniture, the security system, copying machine, things like that. Um, that's that's going to be going into that as well. So that brings us to a total build-out cost that Christ Prez will pay uh, of 350000 and that's a, a ballpark number. But, it's, but I think it's, it's close. Um, here's what I'll say about that. So Christ Pres Cool Springs is the third location of a church that has existed in this city for 40 years. The church that has existed in this city for 40 years is a church with lots of resources. And so the Lord has blessed Christ Pres with resources, and it's made it possible for a church like Cool Springs for a congregation like ours to have a shot at planting ourselves in a place like Cool Springs, which is expensive to be in in the first place. And so the fact that our church existed in this city has helped us build a solid financial foundation to make launching a congregation like ours possible. That said, Cool Springs is only two and a half years old. And we have a lot of growing yet to do and we have benefited greatly from being part of a larger multi-site church, which we are part of. But the goal for this multi-site thing to, to really be sustainable is for congregations to be able to cover the cost of their own expenses. And so even if the church is sitting on reserves, we still want Cool Springs to be covering Cool Springs. Does that make sense? And you really wouldn't want it any other way. Um, and so that's, that's the goal. And so we want to be able to cover our expenses for our location, our staff, the missional giving that's part of ours, the shared services that we benefit from, all of that. And so I want to walk through now how to support this build-out specifically. Um, and that's, there, there's a specific way that you can give to this financially. Of course, we're asking everybody to be praying for this. Of course, we're asking people to be thinking of neighbors and friends that they have that don't have a church home, that may be new to the area or have been away from the church. Let's not poach people from other churches. That's just not how we roll. But if you have neighbors that you, you notice, they don't seem to have a place they go on Sunday morning. Bring them along. You can start bringing them to the hotel because it's going to be exciting here in the hotel, dreaming about not being in the hotel. Um, but... Here's, here's, here's how you do it. There's, there's a give button on the website. This is the homepage. If you click on that, it'll take you to this giving page here, and there's a donate online button. If you click that, it takes you to a drop-down menu, which is the next slide. The first thing in the drop-down menu is you put in an amount. The second thing is you choose a campus. Choose Cool Springs. Choose Cool Springs. Choose Cool Springs. And then, and then the third drop-down menu will give you these options to choose from. So when you choose Cool Springs, you can give to benevolence. You can do general giving, Cool Springs. So if you're setting up your tithes and offerings and you're doing that online, you'll click Cool Springs and you'll set general tithes, uh, general giving, Cool Springs, and that's how you can uh, do your regular tithes and offerings. But you can also give to missions, disaster relief, legacy fund. And there at the bottom, it says Cool Springs New Home Build-Out. If you want to, in addition to your regular giving, contribute to this, um, would you go to the next slide, Arik, because it's a little bit of a zoom in. You can see that drop-down menu. There it is. Um, these are the three easy steps to be able to give directly to this work. Specify the amount, select Cool Springs, 
and then choose Cool Springs New Home Build Out. All right, is that clear? Okay. What I want to wrap up with is why. Why Cool Springs? Why are we here? Why are we doing this? I was in a conversation with some people who are not a part of our church earlier this week who were asking me, so why there? And I said, it's a, it's a subversive act. We're, I'm trying to do something subversive. Our church is trying to be something beautiful in a place that is not um, known for measuring and, and valuing beauty. It's not that it's ugly, it's just that it's what it is. So when I agreed to launch the third congregation back in the beginning of 2018, Scott Sauls asked me, where do you want to be? And I said, I want to be in Cool Springs. Now, I'd spent about five years pastoring in 12 South. So I was in the hippest corner of the universe. Um, it was hipsters as far as the eye could see. It was great. But I wanted to launch in Cool Springs. And he was like, why, why Cool Springs? And there's a lot of reasons. The first is that it's a very strategic location on I-65. We draw from Creve Hall to Spring Hill, Nolansville to, to Franklin and Thompson Station, and all points beyond. It's a strategic location. And the reason that it, that happens is because Cool Springs is one of those places that many people count as one of their places. It's their Costco. It's their Apple store. It's where their corporate headquarters is. It's where the restaurants are. It's the Home Depot. It's a place that people come to from all over. And so in that sense, Cool Springs is a utility for people. Another reason I want to be in Cool Springs is because my family is rooted in this area. This is our neck of the woods. This is our neighborhood. And so we're here and we're not planning on going anywhere. And so we're in it for the long haul. There aren't a lot of thriving churches in the heart of Cool Springs. There are some, but there's not a lot. And for reasons that we discussed is that financially it's tough to be able to do what it is that we're doing right now. And that is moving from kind of the core meeting in a rented place on Sundays, like a gymnasium or something like that, into a permanent home. Oftentimes what happens is to make that move, people have to move out of Cool Springs to afford it. We're being able to stay in Cool Springs, and that's exciting to me because one of the most intriguing reasons for me of doing this is I'm a pastor with an artistic temperament, and I notice that there's nothing sexy about Cool Springs, that there's nothing cool about this place. The place itself really has no soul. It's not built with beauty in mind. And I'm not saying that it's ugly, and I'm really not even trying to insult Cool Springs. I'm just saying it's a place that... that what we're trying to build is unique here. It's unique. And so the thought of planning something beautiful in a place that's not known for valuing beauty strikes me as a rich opportunity for the gospel to make its way into people's hearts and minds. And that's my hope for us. The area of Cool Springs has been a tough nut to crack for churches. But it's something that I believe we're going to be able to plant ourselves in. I believe we already have, friends. Um, and this is an opportunity to extend that. And that brings me to the last thing I'm gonna say here about why Cool Springs, as the kids are coming back in, is that many people come to this part of town to achieve, to succeed, to make money, to launch things. And a lot of our identity gets caught up in stuff like that. A lot of graven images being made in this part of town. And there is a certain kind of poverty 
that comes with wealth. It's the perpetual feeling that it's never enough and that the whole thing could just come crashing down any moment. Hey kids, it's good to have you guys back. That's some of my favorite part. And so Cool Springs is a place with kingdoms in conflict and we wanna see the kingdom of God break into that with power. And so we wanna be an outpost for truth and goodness and beauty in a place like this. And so that's my prayer for us as Cool Springs. And the last thing I'll say is I'm pretty fired up about this. I'm excited about it. So let me pray, and then we'll transition to the Lord's table. Father, I thank you so much for the sound that's happening in the room right now. Uh, one, of the, one of the ways you have knit this congregation together is through all these kids, all these children um, who are such an important part of the life of this church, uh, who fill this room week in and week out with, with the sounds of joy and curiosity and friendship, and they remind us of the ways that you talk to us about how to regard children and how you regard them as, as people you want to come unto you. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for them and for the, for, the, for the reminder that they are of the way that you've chosen to grow this church in the three years that we've existed. Um, and, Lord, we ask that you would steward us well as we steward the resources that you've entrusted to us. Give us clarity of mind and heart as we think about um, our individual roles in supporting this work, uh, in investing in this congregation, in inviting people to be a part of what we're doing. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would get all the glory uh, for everything that you've called us to do and to be in this part of town. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.